going on, my fellow A-plusers? Welcome back to a brand new episode of A-plus Opinions, your home for your nerd pop culture news and reviews. As always, it is I, your hostess with the mostess. The force is strong with this one. Adam Perez, back with a brand new episode for you guys today, here to talk Star Wars The Mandalorian, as we're going to get into some Chapter 3 talk. Um, episode is actually titled The Sin, and what a fantastic episode it certainly was, guys. So we're going to go ahead and break this down for you guys here this week. Um, doing a little bit of a live discussion review for you guys, as always, coming to you Friday evenings. Um, hey, so if anybody happens to pop up in the live chat, certainly go ahead and do so. I uh, certainly would love to further go ahead and talk about this series with you guys even further. If you're checking this out after the live stream, you're certainly more than welcome to go ahead and let your comments be known in the comment section box below, guys, because as always, these are just my A-plus opinions. I always want to know yours, so let me know what you thought about Mandalorian Chapter 3 this week, guys. Hey, do us also a favor. If you want to go ahead and subscribe to us, if you love the content we're providing for you, Hit that subscribe button along with that bell notification so that when we do drop a brand new video, you will certainly be notified. And also go ahead and give us a like. Uh, hit that like button. Give us a thumbs up, guys. Show your support for this particular channel. And, of course, if you want to go ahead and follow us on social media, you can do so right here at A Plus Opinions. We are on Instagram, Facebook, uh, as well as Twitter um, for you guys. Uh, right now we've got Gabriel. Gabriel's in the house popping up here today. Um, so I hope everybody is certainly caught up with the Mandalorian. Because uh, this is a spoiler discussion, we are going to be talking in depth about chapter three. So just to give you guys a heads up, uh, just so you guys aren't surprised, we will be going into depth into this week's episode, an episode that, once again, I truly enjoyed. Um, you know, listen, one of my biggest pet peeves that I've had with this season, if any, I mean, if any, uh, has really just been just the length of the episodes. Uh, this episode actually clocks in at 37 minutes. Um, that's minus the recap, and uh, that's with the recap and the credits at the end. So what, maybe like 34-minute episode? I'm actually actually getting used to the length. I actually am. Um, while I personally would love these episodes to be 45 minutes, 42 minutes, something along those lines, um, it's growing on me a little bit. I can't lie. Um, it, as far as like just the idea of being able to take it in rather briefly and it actually becomes a, a show that I can actually go back and watch each episode with ease like episodes one I've watched about five or six times uh, episode two I probably watched like three or four and I'm pretty sure I'll go back and watch this one a significant amount of time simply because of the fact that it's easy to digest within a short amount of time so I'm actually I'm actually getting on board with it just a little bit to be, be quite honest with you um uh let's see here I, I will say this Big props to the director here this week and Deborah Chow, who actually helmed um, a chapter three. John Favreau wrote this episode, but Deborah Chow actually directed it, which actually makes Deborah Chow the first ever female to direct a live action Star Wars adventure, just in general overall. Um, and she and she happens to have directed one of the best episodes that we've gotten so far in this season. Granted, we're just three episodes in, um, but I love the direction. I love what she did with this episode. Episode overall, uh, and for me, 
that really gives me just the big thumbs up for Deborah Chow in the future as she's actually going to be the one responsible for directing the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that we're going to be getting on Disney Plus as she's directing all the episodes herself. So uh, considering what she did here in this episode with her directing and the impact that she wind up bringing to the episode, I'm thoroughly excited to kind of see what she does with somebody like Ewan McGregor and Obi-Wan Kenobi going forward. So as a Star Wars fan, you have to be excited uh, for just the future uh, of the franchise in general. A um, couple quick comments here, a couple quick shout outs. Some people have uh, dropped dropped into the live chat Gabriel's in the house he says if these first three episodes are any indication of what we're in for in term of Star Wars on Disney Plus count me in it's amazing and Edward Sanchez production pops in also episode three is incredible I I'm on the same path with you guys um, three episodes in I love what John Favreau is certainly doing uh, Kathleen Kennedy has actually come out this past week and talked about how she has plans for John Favreau and Dave Filoni to actually have bigger roles in the Star Wars franchise certainly going forward right um so I'm certainly excited um, I'm hoping that maybe at some particular point in time considering the fact that John Favreau is doing such a fantastic job with the Mandalorian that considering the fact that we don't really have sort of a Star Wars movie planned for the future I personally would love to see maybe John Favreau attached to maybe directing or even writing uh, a future sort of Star Wars saga or even if maybe Kathleen Kennedy wants to bring John Favreau or Dave Filoni on as sort of like a director, uh, directive consultant when it comes to the overall arching franchise. Uh, I don't want to say exactly like a Kevin Feige, but maybe since Kathleen Kennedy, for the most part, in my eyes, is a pretty good producer, she may not be the most creative producer like a Kevin Feige. I do think that Kathleen Kennedy is a fine producer. So if she can have somebody attached to her hip um, with a more creative aspect of Star Wars. Wars, I think we'll certainly be onto something special. Um, and if what Dave Filoni and John Favreau have showcased already for us in three episodes of The Mandalorian, I would love to see what else they can certainly do in the overall franchise uh, of Star Wars. So I'm really excited, certainly going forward. And to anybody that does kind of crap on Kathleen Kennedy for maybe some of the decisions that she's made in the past, let's also not forget that it's actually her idea to put together Dave Filoni and John Favreau for this particular series. She is an executive producer on this. So score another one for Kathleen Kennedy at the end of the day. Uh, but guys, let's go ahead and get into this episode um, because I look, I want to talk about Deborah Chow and just her, just her directing real quick because from the from the opening sequence here, when we get the opportunity to see the Mando and the baby Yoda flying on his razor crest to the planet as he's getting ready to go ahead and drop off his bounty, um, just a fantastic directing of like, you know, just the one shot of the Mandalorian. But on the corner of the screen, you can kind of see a baby Yoda kind of being as curious about the world around him as possible right um getting out of his little uh his little pod uh, trying to mess with some of the controls and things like that um seeing just the immediate sort of relationship that the mandalorian sort of has or is at least growing with baby yoda i love the idea that he just picks it up by its its little coat and just plops it back in there sort of thing uh and he's like that's not a toy as he's like playing around with one of the little uh little the little knobs on one of the mechanisms um i, I thought it was absolutely brilliant I truly did. And another impactful moment, right? Like after he even drops the baby off and he goes off to his other bounty as he's getting ready to warm up the Razor Crest and take off, just the brief moment 
of like him reaching for the knob and then him stopping and then immediately sort of his memories going back to Baby Yoda and just the emotional impact and sort of attachment. Like just a little scene like that to where there's no dialogue. Um, it's just the way that the camera angle is, the zoom in for the helmet sort of thing. It's a really powerful moment. And then all of a sudden the music score goes up as the Mando starts turning off his engine. And you know something's about to go down as he's going to, as he's about to get ready to go ahead and save Baby Yoda. So again, a lot of the sequences in here, even with out dialogue i think uh deborah chow does a fantastic job uh, of just the direction like specifically for even baby yoda which i thought was amazing of what she did the fact that a lot of these scenes that we see of baby yoda just in his pod as he's kind of being taken through the uh environment and through the town and things like that you kind of you kind of see this episode maybe looking at things from baby yoda's perspective right like that there's a couple camera angles where you see from behind baby yoda's head and just seeing some of the things that he's looking at and the world that he's kind of exploring for the very first time and while Baby Yoda doesn't say a lot, just the direction and the camera angles kind of really give you an idea of what this creature is thinking about. The feelings that this baby is kind of going through, right? Maybe seeing all this stuff for the very first time, you get the sense of a curiosity, you get the sense of uh, a fear that's sort of presented, right? Like an uncertainty as to what's happening to it. Um, I mean, you can even see that baby Yoda's kind of making connections with the Mandalorian, clearly feeling some sort of security with him, some sort of safety, uh, looking up at him for reassurance at times. Um, even when he does drop the baby off at the client's office, and the stormtroopers pulling him along and they're about to go ahead and go into the room after they've acquired their bounty just the just the idea of the of baby yoda like looking back at the mandalorian as he's being taken away and starting to cry it's fantastic scenes like that that even without dialogue, um, Deborah Chow is just some, uh, is is such a good director that she's still able to emit those emotions and at least have you understand a lot of these characters uh, just from the way that the camera angles and some of the shots that she winds up picking up. So I, I was really impressed. I, I truly was. Um, uh, the Mandalorian and the connection with Baby Yoda is just one that's just it's hard to get over. Um, you know, I was thinking there was an old movie like. Two Men and a Baby or something like that. I was just like, The Mandalorian and the Baby. Like, I, I I love just the instant connection and the emotional connection that these two have to one another. And the fact that The Mandalorian really understands that at the end of the day, it's like, it's a kid. You know what I mean? Like, even though, yes, this kid clearly has powers and the Mando clearly knows that there is some importance to this particular creature at the end of the day. He's immediately attached enough to care for this creature to where he really doesn't want any harm to certainly come of it, right? I mean, I don't even know if the Mandalorian knows what he's going to do with Baby Yoda now that he has it in his possession. But the only thing that he certainly knows in this episode is what I'm doing is clearly wrong. Um, for him to actually question what's going to happen with this bounty when really questioning what happens after you deliver a bounty is like is off limits. Right. I think um, the client even mentions the idea like, hey, that's part of the rules of the guild. Right. You pick up the bounty, you drop the bounty off. It's forgotten. You don't ask any questions whatsoever. So the fact that the Mandalorian, who we know is a complete badass and clearly takes his what he does is bounty hunting as as professional as can be. 
there is an attachment grown to the point to where now he's even crossing those boundaries that other bounty hunters certainly don't. And everybody around him is telling, well, I don't know. You know, that's 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 one of the rules of the guild. We don't ask questions sort of thing, kind of like the Fight Club. <laughs> but the Mandalorian clearly has an attachment to Baby Yoda, wants it to be as safe as possible. And he feels that it probably can't be any safer than in his arms. And so I thought this this episode alone, like granted, we we have built that sort of uh, chemistry, at least in episode two, a little bit. But episode three for me uh, really is the meat of what the relationship building between these two characters really is all about. And I'm excited to kind of see what this adventure, uh, where this adventure definitely takes them. Um, I want to talk about the client real quick. And I also want to talk about Dr. Uh, Pershing, I believe his name is. Was it Pershing? Yeah, I believe it's Dr. Pershing. Because there is a theory out there, there is a theory out there, a clone theory out there that somebody might have brought up to me maybe in episode two, maybe in the beginning of episode one. Um, and I looked into it just a little bit, but there is a clone theory trying to really trying to figure out what's up with baby Yoda, right? Is baby Yoda a clone? Are they trying to capture this baby and maybe clone it? Who certainly knows? But I will tell you this. Um, let me go ahead and pull up this picture here because um, this, is, this is a picture I found online here that really showcases the Caminos from the Clone Wars. If you get this opportunity to see their badge um, on their arm, you get to see the emblem, the insignia, right? It's like an I and an L or whatever the case might have been. Dr. Pershing clearly has or at least seemingly has that same exact patch on his arm as well. So granted, this guy clearly is not a Camino. If you remember uh, Attack of the Clones, uh, this guy does not look anything like a Camino in, but maybe he's at least scientifically maybe picked up on the concept of, of cloning. And here's an actually uh, another image for you guys to see a little bit closer up image of the emblem on his side. Again, you kind of see the I and the L um, beside one another. So um, there is a theory out there that Dr. Pershing is, in fact, a scientist of cloning. Now, again, that doesn't really clarify the idea as to whether or not he um, Baby Yoda is a clone, but they clearly have plans for something like Baby Yoda. Um, I think when we get into one of the scenes here, where the Mandalorian is trying to scope out the building inside, right? And he's trying to listen in on what the conversation sort of is going on. Um, the client, what, uh, what's up, Sean? Sean wind up popping in here. A uh, quick shout out goes out to uh, Sean Sayer for popping in here today. I'm doing good, man. Thank you for asking. Um, when he's listening in on the conversation between Dr. Pershing and the client, you can clearly hear the client asking him, you know, did you get everything that you needed from him, from the baby? Um, talking about extracting certain things. I'm kind of curious if we're going to go down the down the line of, you know, is he extracting his DNA so he can clone it? Is he extracting, if it's even possible, midichlorians, right? I mean, listen, I know nobody likes to hear the word midichlorians. No, midichlorians, ah, get it away. <laughs> but I'm just bringing up possibilities here, right? That's something clearly that George Lucas has said. And when you're dealing with somebody like a Dave Filoni, you know, who really was inspired and taught and really his protege um, of George Lucas, uh, maybe the idea of metachlorians is in here. Who certainly knows? Or maybe Dr. Pershing is simply talking about extracting some of the DNA so they can go ahead and actually clone this baby Yoda at some particular point in time. But Dr. Pershing, even when he's 
uh, cornered by the Mandalorian who's there to go ahead and save Baby Yoda. You know, he simply tells him, I'm just trying to protect him, right? Like, if, if it wasn't for me, Baby Yoda would be, <laughs> Homeboy would, would be dead by now. Um, so Dr. Pershing clearly has his own motives. We'll see if Dr. Pershing even pops back up at some particular point in time. Um, but I, I, I did thought, I, I did think that it was rather interesting. And he, uh, Dr. Pershing also mentions a he, mentioned the fact that um, he's waiting for these particular like samples or he's waiting uh, 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 for these particular items that Dr. Hershing uh, is supposed to uh, Dr. Pershing is supposed to bring to him. So who the he that he's referring to uh, is really fascinating to me. I'm not exactly sure as to who they're referring to. Maybe it's a character that we've been introduced to before that we're going to be introduced into live action form. Uh, maybe it's somebody from the prequels uh, in the past or maybe from the original trilogy popping up, um, showing some kind of influence. But clearly there is a he who really sent them out to go ahead and find Baby Yoda uh, and get as much stuff from this child as he possibly can. So... Uh, I'm, the mystery certainly thickens. The mystery certainly thickens. And shout out to Carl Weathers also. Um, shout out to Carl Weathers who played uh, uh, Grief once again in here. Um, he's doing an amazing job if you ask me. Um, I love the fact that after the Mandalorian gets his upgrade from his armor... I love the fact that when he walks back into the bar, how Grief is so proud, right? Like, like, like he's the one that picked Amando to do this job, and now he himself has become popular and rich from the idea of sending this person to go ahead and get that bounty. And trust me, Grief is not shy to let everybody in the bar knows. Like, he literally raises his voice a couple octaves so that everybody can hear, right? Like, hey, everybody got the bounty, right? But nobody was able to go ahead and do it except for this man have a seat my favorite client come here sit down sit down he's just being as loud as can be because he's proud clearly very clearly um but carl weathers is amazing like i haven't seen this man act in such a long time that i'm so glad that he teamed up with john favreau he he really just feels like he fits in this star wars world um and, and I, i'm really amazed look clearly we're not going to go ahead and see um clearly we're not going to see um I was actually worried that maybe they might have killed Grief off at the end of this episode, but clearly we see that he winds up surviving. Just the whole entire idea of the cliche, oh, I had something metal in my pocket, so when you shot me, it protected me. It, it's used like it's it's becoming rather cliche for me, honestly. Um, I'd rather him have taken off something and like there was like some sort of armor underneath. But the classic, like, oh, I I remember I put this in my pocket and it just so happened to kind of protect me. Although I will say this, I feel like the Mandalorian. Considering the fact that he is a Mandalorian, Homeboy clearly seems to not miss a shot. I wonder if he meant to aim for that, to not kill Grief, and maybe just at least get him off the ship so that he can actually go ahead and take off. So I hope we get to see Grief again. I hope he winds up maybe using his fob to, to try and locate um, the Mandalorian so they can eventually go ahead and team up. Because I do think that we're getting to a point where the Mandalorian is now going to maybe have to put together his own ragtag group, not only to protect Baby Yoda, but maybe enough people uh, for them to be able to kind of protect his bounty at the end of the day also. So I'm really kind of interested to see what happens because, you know, you know, people are going to be hunting down uh, the Mando at this point for his actions here. What he certainly did was a gigantic no, no. Thus. Thus, perhaps, why this episode is called The Sin After All, committing one of the biggest sins that a bounty hunter certainly can uh, at the end of the day. So we'll definitely have to check it out. Uh, another thing that I definitely wanted to go ahead and talk about, guys, 
um, is the Mandalorian Covert. Um, we have ourselves Mandalorians in hiding. Um, so once Mando drops off the bounty, he gets his amazing reward. Uh, the client certainly was not lying when he said he had a whole ton of uh, Beskar steel for the Mando. Uh, he winds up like just doom, like just putting it on his table, opening it up, and it's almost like just gold bars. Like it, it just opens up just so majestically in the way that the Mandalorian looks at it. It's like he just came across gold bars for himself. Um, it was like just stacks and stacks of uh, Beskar steel. And I love the fact also one of my favorite lines in here, or at least a favorite moments, is when the Mandalorian does ask about the asset, um, you know, about the bounty, about Baby Yoda after it's been delivered. And he's, now that he's got the Beskar steel in his hands, I love the fact that the client mentions something along the lines of, like, why are you asking that question, right? Like, the idea of getting a Mandalorian in the first place to do this bounty was extremely difficult. Like, there's more steel out here than there are Mandalorians. Um, and he says something like, it would be a shame or something. Like, I, uh, it almost felt like the client was just hinting at the idea, like, hey— the Mandalorian numbers are already low as it is. If you keep pushing your luck and keep asking questions, there may just be one less Mandalorian out there if you get my drift, right? Like, there's plenty of steel here. There's not a lot of you. So if you keep asking the wrong questions and keep pushing, there's going to be one one less of you. There's going to be one less of you. So I, I, I love that little hint that the client was kind of giving to the Mandalorian. But the Mandalorian takes it back to his cover. Uh, where the Mandalorians are certainly hiding. We get the opportunity to see the, the Mythosaur emblem once again. As this time, though, we get to see that there are significantly more Mandalorians than what we certainly have seen in the past two episodes. Uh, he's walking down the corridor. You get to see different helmets, different armor designs and things like that. Um, I absolutely love this sequence, especially now that he has all this Beskar steel Everybody is eyeing him, not just Mandalorians, but bounty hunters all over the place because they know how important and how rich Beskar steel certainly can make you and how rare it definitely is. So the idea of him having won this gigantic bounty and now being able to use this steel to give him proper Mandalorian armor, he's almost walking around with a gigantic target on his back, walking around for somebody to just literally steal the helmet, his chest pieces, his arm pieces, his leg pads off of him. And there are a lot of Mandalorians that are clearly pissed, clearly jealous of this gigantic bounty that he winds up getting, but specifically upset with him about the idea that he's sort of taking Beskar steel from the Empire. Um, you know, one of the heavy infantry Mandalorians actually pops up here in this episode, really to kind of instigate a fight with Mando. Talking about how can this coward walk with the Empire and steal back the stuff that was taken from us in the first place, right? Like, how is he acquiring this stuff for himself when this was stolen from us to begin with? And now he's using it as a reward to go ahead and build himself up, right? There's a lot of animosity here between the Mandalorians, but I feel like that's just a Mandalorian race 
themselves, right? The um, the steelsmith even brings up the idea like, hey, you guys are always the hunter and the prey because not only are you always going out trying to get yours, but people, even your own race, are after you as well. And we get to see a, a gigantic scuffle in here. The Mandalorian tries to take off his helmet, right, which is a big no-no. Even the steel, um, the steelsmith was like, have you ever taken off your helmet? Uh, has anybody ever seen your face? Like, have you ever taken it off or has anybody else taken it off? And he says no to both of those questions. Uh, really, I guess, really going to show you just how formidable of a person he is and really how committed he is to the concept of being a Mandalorian uh, in the first place. So I honestly really, really enjoyed that. Um, and I love the effect, too, of the vibroblade. Um, I know the Mandalorian actually used the vibro blade uh, in episode two when he was going against the the musk horn or whatever the mud horn uh, animal uh, as he stabbed it in his face. But you couldn't really, for me at least, I couldn't really tell about the effect that they had of the vibro blade until this particular moment when we had Mandalorian against Mandalorian crime uh, and they both took out their vibro blades and they were just standing there next to each other's sort of neck uh, and anytime you get that close-up shot you can literally see the blade like vibrating I'm like yeah that's really a vibro blade like that's as legit as it certainly comes so uh, I honestly really I really enjoyed it I, I certainly did and of course the big epic sort of twist ending, right? It is fascinating to me because of the fact that these Mandalorians really are keeping themselves very secret, right? The 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 heavy infantry Mando mentions the idea of like, hey, only one of us goes out at a time, right? They're clearly trying to keep their numbers secret um, as the great purge that took them down really seemingly decimated the Mandalorian race and the Mandalorian culture. And they're slowly trying to now build their race back up, but clearly in secret. Um, so clearly one of them goes out at a time. Maybe they both have times, uh, you know, time periods or years that they kind of go out. Um, everybody's armor significantly different. Um, some have lesser armor. Some have better armor. Uh, it, it's just kind of all over the place. But the Mandalorian looks fantastic in his armor, by the way. He is still—he doesn't have a quite a full armor. He is missing at least one leg pad, um, seemingly. That definitely uh, is just his old costume, because uh, it seems as though they're using some of the Beskar steel for his armor, and then they're using some of it for the Foundlings as well. And they even give him these really cool weapon systems called the Whistling Birds. Um, which the the steelsmith said it was extremely rare, but fantastic when you're trying to take down multiple enemies at once. He uses it on his stormtroopers, but he probably shouldn't try to have saved it for the end when all the bounty hunters in town are now going for him. Uh, which was an epic scene trying to see him escape town with the Yoda baby in tow. And he's almost busted. He's almost caught when we get the surprise twist of all the Mandalorians uh, popping out and actually saving his ass at the end of the day. Um, people that were kind of um, hesitant and you know hesitant when it came to the Mandalorian earlier in the episode are now having his back at the end of the day. Look, one less Mandalorian can really destroy what they're certainly trying to achieve, right? This is the way, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's what they're saying is this is the way. Um, and, and the way is to protect one another regardless. Um, so it's it, we. I, 
we see jetpacks finally, right? We were wondering, like, is the Mandalorian going to have a jetpack at some point? While Mando certainly doesn't have it, the rest of his buddies certainly do. So they come over, they come flying over some of the buildings out of town, shooting people left and right. We finally get to see um, the Mandalorian uses his flame armor once again. I think he actually used it in episode two also. Seeing the heavy infantry guy that just got into a, a little bit of a scuffle with him coming down with his big Gatling gun. And he's just he's just shooting people down with these lasers. This is the way of the Mandalorian. And, and I absolutely loved it. And they really kind of saved Mando's ass so he can go ahead and get out of there on the Razor Crest with Baby Yoda in tow. And they're off to their next adventure. I'm assuming to his next bo his next bounty that he wind up picking up from Grief, which is actually a, a Mon Calamari. Um, if I'm not mistaken. So the adventure continues. Um, and again, just to go back to the Mando and the Baby Yoda connection, um, I love the fact that he he knows what Baby Yoda wants and he winds up taking the knob back off and he just hands it to him sort of thing so he can kind of play with it. Uh, and then the really cool shot of seeing the Mandalorian on his jetpack flying side by side with the Razor Crest to kind of say farewell before he takes off. I thought it was just a beautiful shot, a beautiful shot. So hopefully by the end of the season, the Mandalorian gets a uh, gets um, gets a jetpack of his own. Um, but guys, let me know what you thought about this particular week's episode. Do you guys have any questions in regards to this particular series so far? Um, any comments in regards to this series so far, uh, whether it be Mandalorian or Star Wars? Certainly go ahead uh, and definitely let me know what you guys definitely think. Um, I think we have a couple last-minute people that popped up in here. Uh, Miss Hassan coming through, as always. Um, thank you very much for certainly popping by. And, of course, I think we mentioned uh, uh, Sean Sayer as well. Um, so I'm really eager to kind of see where, this, where, where things go. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about in Episode 2. Uh, about the growth of uh, of this uh, child here, the fact that it's only 50 years old, um, but clearly it comprehends certain things. Uh, while he can't clearly talk, he clearly is tapped into the Force, trying to heal the Mandalorian whenever it certainly can. Um, also along the lines of being able to clearly walk, right? He's certainly curious enough to get out of his own pod and, and, and grab whatever he certainly needs. So I will be fascinated to kind of see what else uh, this creature is definitely up to and certainly what it's capable of. But it seemingly, for the most part, Star Wars fans have really been pleased with this series so far. Um, I haven't really heard a lot of complaints about it. The musical score continues to just overwhelm me each and every time um, it, to the point to where it's actually ingrained in my head. Like I find myself at work sometimes just, just humming the Mandalorian theme song. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of it. I think the music has been fantastic for this series so far. And really my biggest complaint is just the runtime for the show. Because uh, I just I just want more. You know what I mean? Like, again, I love the fact that it's easily digestible within that 30-minute to 37-minute sort of time frame. But for me, I'm just I, I, I'm just greedy. I just want more of it. But I'm probably going to go ahead and watch this episode again. Um, I watched it twice already. I'm going to definitely go ahead and watch it again. And who knows? I can probably sit down and binge all three episodes with less than an uh, probably within an hour and a half or so. So I probably will probably end up doing that again tonight. But guys, let me know what you thought about The Mandalorian. We're three episodes in. What did you think about this episode? And what did you think about the chapters overall? Again, these are just my A-plus opinions 
guys. I always want to know yours, so feel free to go ahead and comment down uh, below, guys. But other than that, that will certainly do it here for us at A Plus Opinions. We definitely will be back later uh, next week for Chapter 4 breakdown for you guys, so certainly join us next Friday evening as well. Um, and then, of course, this upcoming Sunday, guys, we have a live episode of A Plus Hero Report where we talk everything Marvel, DC, movies, and television. So certainly join us Sunday morning at 11 o'clock for A Plus Hero Report. Until then, guys, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. May the force be with you and keep it A+. I'll talk to you later. Bye.